Hey guys, Bear Grylls here just to say super excited for Charles Thorpe's podcast coming soon. You guys are going to love this. What a great guy he is and so many great stories. So enjoy these and remember above all, never give up. Now I personally believe that there's nothing better than a great adventure, whether it's to another country or into the backyard. It can have an amazing ability to change not just the way that we see the world, but also the way that we see ourselves. That is exactly what you're going to hear about from our incredible guests. On Great Adventures, I'm going to be hanging out with actors, athletes, thought leaders, and of course explorers, some old friends, and some new, to discuss how being adventurous benefited their lives. My name is Charles Thorpe. For over a decade, I've been chasing down epic stories professionally for magazines and television shows, and now I'm bringing those conversations here. On Greenland, it was working with the U.S. Air Force. You know, 90% of the people that were in uniform were active duty men and women. You are creating a form of entertainment, but you're also trying to root it as much authenticity as possible to make it feel real. That was director Rick Roman Waugh, and it's time for Great Adventures. I want to sort of hit you with a, a philosophical slash career question first. And I'm just curious because I, and I feel like a lot of the guys I talk to really respond when you find out that the director has had that path from stunts. Obviously it's a newer generation thing. Do you think it influences the way that you make films dealing with that practicality, trying to sell punches, trying to sell action? Do you think it makes you film more viscerally? It definitely allows you to understand the process of filmmaking and how to finally apply a a script. I think that, you know, there's two paths into our business. There's either film school or coming up through the ranks on set. And I don't have any um, experience in film school, but I did come from the working film school. What was your earliest gig? You know, tell us about that in your first time working with the Hollywood machine. The first times that I know I was on set, I'm dating myself, but, you know, I was a baby on um, McHugh and Paint Your Wagon. You know, my father was a stuntman and went back to the John Wayne days and so forth. And where I remember being on set and realizing that that was literally going to be my second home for a lifetime was during the, the late 70s and the early 80s when there was that big, huge heyday of all the action TV shows. You know, you had everything from Fall Guy to Spider-Man that my father was on and Heart to Heart and A-Team and Chips and you name it, you know. So there was this kind of thing back in the day when you lived in the Los Angeles area and, you know, we lived out in the country just north of there. You know, you went into work every single day on a movie set and, I remember going to work with my dad. So funny, the things we used to do back in the 70s and 80s, you know, riding almost on the gas tank of a motorcycle going down the freeway with my dad. Like, who the hell would do that now, right? That experience of the familial aspect of filmmaking and the people that you grew up in, it's funny because until a lot of people on set, because they'll hear somebody call me Ricky, and I'll say that's a dead giveaway that they knew me when I was a kid growing up. Anybody that's known me, through my early stunt career um, before coming into, you know, directing and so forth that uses that name has known me a lifetime, you know? And so it's, uh, it's been interesting. It's just before Fallon, you know, I wrote on movies for about seven years and didn't go on a movie set. 
and I had really a lot of apprehension wondering what it would feel like to go back and do felon. It wasn't until literally the day they started filming. I was like, this is like an old hat. There's so much you can do in the stunt world in the studio space and the way that you guys create environments, you know, at a stunt house. I'm always blown away by that, but I'd really like to dive deeper into going on location and what your first experience was like going on location, either as a stunt person or as a director. What is your first memory of going somewhere outside of that system? Where was that first memory of having a project that was able to make the call, hey, let's actually go to this place and let's actually dig our heels into this countryside and use this as a character in the film? I mean, one that comes to mind, but there were many other earlier versions of things like this, but this was a very big undertaking. It was for Last of the Mohicans. Because, you know, Last of the Mohicans was done in Asheville, North Carolina, very, very small town. And you're talking about driving out into the forest because you're building forts and you're doing the, you know, going along rivers and you're creating, you know, the wild frontier and, and making it look like it was back in the day. So you're leaving any kind of infrastructure to get places where there's no power poles, there's no nothing. And, you know, there's a lot of that going on in Kandahar right now of building a movie that's um, doubling for a number of countries in the Middle East and then making them all very specific to the locations that you, f- you find and so forth. My prison movies were no different. You know, not only was New Mexico a great place to shoot, and I continue to shoot there, but the Department of Corrections in New Mexico was great during felon and shot caller of allowing us to go inside these, these institutions that you just don't have access to, you know, and shooting. So sometimes it's not just finding the wild frontier. Sometimes it's finding a piece of infrastructure that you just don't have access to unless you go to a certain place to get it. Why don't we go into when you start to write films and the research process that goes with that. You clearly bring a lot of that energy into your scripts, wanting to actually go there, experience it for real. What were some of those early trips that you did to the corrections facilities and what did you experience during those trips that really made it into the film? Well, there's no question um, the most intensive research that I did, and I research everything that I'm doing, but it definitely went into felon and shot caller. Um, I became a volunteer parole agent in the state of California to learn the prison system in an unbiased way. Only my parole supervisor knew that I was a filmmaker. Everybody else saw me as a rookie cop, whether they were a convict or they were a cop. And it was great because you got the the unfiltered version of what the system was. And I wanted to learn it that way. I didn't want to go by all of the cliches and the stereotypes that I hear about prison. I wanted to know firsthand myself and then how that translates out into the streets and how people become institutionalized and so forth. And, you know, it's interesting because it, um, it's a microcosm unto itself. So like some of my other research that I've done in the special operations world with Delta Force, the idea that they go into a different microcosm, you know, called war, you know, and war is in their definition, a world without rules, right? You know, it's um, kill or be killed and, you know, conquer or, or be conquered. And unfortunately prison has a lot of that same kind of aspects to it. And so it's interesting when you start researching different worlds, you start finding humanity dealing with the same type of issues um, and so forth when it's life or death. And, I think that's why I loved Greenland so much was Greenland to me was 
it was doing shot caller without prison. You know, a lot of people said, well, yeah, well, that's what prison forces you to do. Kill or be killed, you know, predator, you know, predator or, you know, or punk. And it was like, that's pretty easy to say, but if it's life or death, I found that anybody can, is able to, any, anybody when it's life or death will find out what their true moral code is and their true moral compass and what they're capable of. And I love that about Greenland that, yeah, it's about a comet, but it's never about the comet. It's about humanity itself and what we are capable of. Will we turn on one another when it's life or death or will we help one another? There's a lot of spectacle. There's a lot of great scenes with that. How'd you go about finding the places that you wanted to shoot at? I saw you took some helicopter crews out and, and did some footage that way. So tell me about those experiences filming Greenland. Yeah, you know, you, you again, we live in a world where we're looking for, you know, um, tax incentive money and, you know, and help to get these movies made, you know, for the budget levels that we need. And so uh, Basil Iwanek, who um, is my producer, who, you know, produced everything from Sicario to the John Wick franchise and, um, you know, Wind River and goes on and on and on the movie, The Town. You know, we, we talked a lot about that Atlanta could be a great place for the movie, but why double it? Why, the, you know, why in the original script um, we were supposed to be set in New York? Why don't we just set it in Atlanta and make it a real American city and shoot Atlanta for Atlanta? We know we're going to have to use our, you know, smoke and mirrors to, to make things look like we're up towards Canada and then into, um, into Greenland. And then we were originally going to go to Greenland and shoot plates there and, and do a production there um, and go to the Thule Air Force Base, you know, for the U.S. Air Force. But then you go to a place like Reykjavik, Iceland, and you find a place that has a far more infrastructure of filmmaking um, and the resources. And, um, you know, the DP I worked with up there, Otar Goodenson, was amazing because he's not only a top class world DP, world DP, but it's his home. So you got to go to a place where, I mean, it looks biblical, you know, you're looking at stuff like it looks like it from the beginning of time and it becomes a big character of the movie that, that sense of destination of I'm in America. I have to get to the Canadian border to get on this plane. And then what does my utopia look like? What does my land of savior look like? And, you know, it's great when the first time we went to, to Iceland and that was my first experience there and my jaw dropped. I just couldn't believe how magnificent it was, you know? So, you know, you find ways to spend your money and find ways to take the audience on a visceral ride when maybe some parts of that visceral ride, they don't realize that they're sitting in Atlanta, Georgia or a convention center and, but they don't realize that we've turned it into a bunker, you know? So there's, there's definitely the, um, the magic of filmmaking, the illusion of what we're trying to create. There's no mistake about that. Um, it's part of our craft and it's what, it's what hopefully makes us good at what we do. Um, but then there's sometimes that you just want to shoot it as is and shoot it for what it is. And, you know, Iceland was a place that you didn't have to do anything. You know, you just point the camera in any direction and you're good to go. You have a great working relationship with Gerard or Jerry, as uh, some people call him. And I've, I've been able to chat with him a few times. Great person to be around and great energy to have around, I'm sure. What has it been like traveling with him, working with him? And, you know, what are some of the experiences that you guys have maybe able to cut out for yourselves during these crazy shoots that you're doing? Well, he was first of all pissed off at me that he didn't get to go to Iceland. I mean, because <laughs> he, he wanted to hang out for sure. You know, it's just the way that the schedules had worked, um, worked out. But, 
we'd known each other for about 10 years. Um, he was a fan of Fallon and there was a moment I was going to do law abiding citizen, but um, that didn't work out. And we had stayed in touch over the years and we're looking for something to do together. And then I got this call out of the blue about coming onto the has fallen franchise and trying to put my sensibilities into it. And that's what was amazing is he wasn't asking me just to do the third movie. He was asking me to come in and kind of really put my stamp on it and reinvent it in an interesting way. And I found him to be fearless with, with his creativity and, you know, and making bold choices. And, you know, that's an infectious thing as a filmmaker. And so we went on this great journey together, but you wonder when you finally get there, are you going to have the chemistry you hope you do? And I don't think you ever really know until you're sitting in the saddle together. And it, from day one, we knew it was like, it was meant to be of this great collaboration where we definitely push each other's buttons and we raise each other's game. Um, but there's a very big sense of trust with both of us and um, how we go about it. So by the time we were done with Angel Has Fallen, we couldn't wait to figure out what was next. And, you know, we knew we didn't want to do just an, we didn't want to follow up Angel with another big kind of summer tentpole. We wanted to do something different. And I had read Greenland and just flipped over it, called Basil Iwanek and said, um, I'd like to get Jerry on this movie um, if you want to have both of us together and go do this. And he's like, heck yeah, are you kidding me? And Jerry read that weekend and the rest is history. So you get a rhythm with somebody. And I, and I do think that the best collaborations um, in history have been a body of work, not a singular one-off, you know, kind of event and, or film. And so hopefully it's the, the first, you know, two of many that we're going to do together. Again, we're already going on to Kandahar next and which was going to be a, a really fun and big experience. You know, it's like our modern day Lawrence Arabia, you know, set in the, in the spy world of modern Middle East. And what's fun about it is that you meet the humanity and the other sides, you know, you, you meet the Iranian Kudfor spies and you meet the Pakistanis and you meet all these different regions and you see how they live. And I think that's really a fun study of character. And what's interesting about Jerry is some movie stars are all about, you know, it's me, me, me and build everything about me. But as much as Greenland could have been about a man winning back his woman, we both agreed that this is about a husband and wife winning back their love together and that Allison needed equal footing and, we got lucky with Marina Backrun to come in and be our third partner, you know, where we really made a two-hander and Kandahar is no different. There are some amazing characters that are not his character that he's fully supportive of building this great ensemble. And that's a, when you get that kind of confidence in a movie star that's about the movie first and understanding what we're trying to make, you know, it makes the fight um, easier and it makes the fight more rewarding, you know, when you've got somebody you trust that's on the other side of the lens. As you know, I had a chance to talk with Scott Glenn earlier on yesterday about this picture. And, you know, he's another one of those guys that just continues to you know, blow me away and make me want to follow his work and also make me laugh so much, man. He's got great, unstoppable energy. So what was it like working with him? A pain in the ass. No, he's a, uh, I love that man. You know, I've been, uh, I've been very blessed to work with Sam Shepard, God rest his soul. And, um, and then I got to work with Morgan Freeman and Nick Nolte, who I just loved death. And, you know, these are legends. They don't, they don't need to have anything less to, they don't have anything left to prove and yet they don't phone it in. They're so involved and in there. And it was no different with Scott Glenn. You know, we hit it off from day one and he and his wife, Carol, and, you know, could spend hours talking together. And the next thing you know, we're talking about martial arts and he knows my former life. Thing. Next, you know, he's throwing 
body shots on me. You know, what is he almost 80 years old at this point? And, and you just love it. You just, you just start cracking up because he just, his, his understanding of story and character and his generosity to everybody. And he's one of those people that when he walks on the set, he galvanizes it. And I've been on sets where, people of his stature walk on the set and they do the complete opposite, you know, and they shatter everything and have everybody walking on eggshells, especially at their, at their level. And um, it happened with Nick Nolte, you know, to the point where people were in tears when Nick Nolte's last day, cause they didn't want to see him go. Same thing with Morgan Freeman. And um, same thing happened with Scott Glenn. You know, we were all so sad when his, um, his part of the movie was over, you know, and, it felt like a loved one was going away from us, you know, and the family was going to continue without that loved one. And it did, you know, and he's an amazing human being and his zest for life is credible. And I'd like to have his guns at my age now, but if I got guns like that at 80, I'm, I'm in fricking business, right? I mean, that guy's body is just unbelievable. And he's been like that his entire life. Great Adventures is lucky to have partners that share our love for a good story, like Whistlepig Whiskey. They're American rice perfected in the beautiful Vermont countryside. I've been to their farm, I've seen the process, and a lot of care goes into creating each glass. It's also the perfect nightcap after a day in the wild. Check them out on Instagram, at Whistlepig Whiskey. Kandahar. I love to talk more about that. Whatever you can share. So excited about this project. These are really interesting, compelling people and characters. So what can we look forward to? I mean, if you, if you look at the history of my work, um, I'm a, a huge fan and supporter of people of service. You know, I did a documentary, That Which I Love Destroys Me, you know, on a Delta Horse operator. Um, I support veterans um, wholeheartedly and try to help them, you know, and, some of them come in our business, you know, and behind the camera, in front of the camera. So working with the Secret Service and a guy named Mickey Nelson, who was the real Mike Banning, you know, in Guard Four Presidents. We are going to make another Has Fallen. Um, and we get around with that? It'd be fun. Maybe we'll do something with Mickey Nelson, my new buddy. You know, he's uh, a brother to me now and a legendary Secret Service agent. Again, um, guarded four presidents all the way through the middle of Obama. And, you know, when we when he came on to Angel Has Fallen, we weren't really worried about him showing everybody how to hold a gun. We were about the mentality. What is it like? What is it like being away from your family constantly because you're always on the move? What does that vigilance take to constantly never let your guard down and know that you are the bulletproof vest of a president, that it's your body that will shield him or her from harm's way? I've, I am always fascinated with these people and, um, yeah. and, and have a lot of reverence for them. You, you, you just become enamored with these people because they're so grounded and they're human and they're real people with real families. On Greenland, it was working with the U.S. Air Force. And, you know, 90% of the people that were in uniform were active duty men and women, you know, and never had been around a camera before in their life. But I love working with real people. Of course, the prison guards I've worked with in law enforcement and, you know, Kandahar is really interesting because we really want to get it right and show the clandestine world and what true, what real spies are like and what tier one operators are like and that they're people with families and that they're not the dictators of policy. They're the facilitators of policy that has been handed down to them. And 
there's a very big difference with that. And I think that we as a society get so wrapped up in the politics for due reason, but that we never really understand that the same politics are playing out in other countries, you know? And so with Kandahar, it was a way to show all of that, to not only show Gerard Butler's character, Tom, you know, a lifer who is working right now with the CIA um, and his Afghan translator, both men dealing with um, war addiction and trying to find home again, but also, you know, the Iranian side of it, the Pakistani side of it, the Afghan side of it, um, and many other countries that we deal with in the movie. And the first thing you look at is that if you want to be authentic, then I want to be in the authentic region. You know, I wasn't interested in doing this movie in New Mexico or somewhere like that. I told, you know, Basil, I want to, again, this is our second movie together. I need to go to the Middle East to shoot this. And he had been talking um, to some people about possibly shooting in Saudi Arabia. And at first I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And I don't think I know much about Saudi Arabia at all, except, you know, for what I hear from the media. And when I went over there, you know, the, the culture there has really changed since 2018, finding a way to modernize Saudi Arabia. Part of that doctrine became about women driving in um, a woman's place in Saudi Arabia, where now you're seeing 25% of the population not covered up in burqas. And yet they're very respectful of the religious conservative that are, are covered up, but also it's about tourism and their big mantra is filming, you know, and it was very interesting because when I landed in Saudi Arabia, the week that I landed, I found out that there was not a single movie theater in 2018 in Saudi Arabia. And yet the week I landed, Greenland was on a hundred screens, you know, in the kingdom and they were really excited about it. And, you know, so there's this new wave that's happening there. And it's really interesting to be in the very um, infancy part of it. And, you know, we're kind of inventing the movie business in Saudi Arabia and it's daunting um, but it's really fun and it's worth the struggle and you realize what a beautiful people they are and that they really want to do it right. Again, I think the world looks at politics. God, I hope they don't look just at the Americans as our politics. You know, that would be a way, bad way to be judged because the American people are such a beautiful and resilient bunch. You know, we've been through so much together and, yeah, we got our differences and so forth, but hopefully we're not dictated by our politics uh, as much as we are right now. And, it's interesting to be in a place that has been only been dictated by its politics um, worldwide and actually be, meet the people, you know, that are under the, um, that regime. And they're just stunning and beautiful. And um, they really want to learn and do something prolific. So it's been a, a, an uphill battle for sure. And, you know, dealing with COVID, um, looking at um, the worldwide spikes that are going on, you know, they um, have done a very good job with COVID. I think, they haven't been squeamish about closing their borders and um, and and really making you know controlling things. So it's been it's been a surreal experience. Twenty twenty, you know, finishing one movie during the pandemic, prepping another one during the pandemic in a country that's never really had this type of film infrastructure before or on our scale, and even to find out how many people we have coming in and so forth. They're all great challenges because at the end of the day if you're not waking up and loving what you do and you're not excited to tear into that creative story, then you shouldn't be in it in the first place. You know, I've learned that the hard way sometimes writing um, in my earlier, my career. And uh, now when it comes to directing, knowing that I've got so much time commitment into it, it's something that I want to live and breathe and love and want to tear up every morning and, and 
and do something interesting with it. And then, then the struggle is worth it. When do you guys uh, start filming on that? We are now figuring that out as we speak because of COVID, you know, with the, with yeah. the European Union and the United Kingdom all on level four, and a lot of our crew is coming from um, those regions, we are now trying to figure out whether we need to wait a minute for everybody's safety, hold out, you know, until more vaccinations are happening and these, um, these surges that unfortunately we're all kind of given this warning and whether we heeded it or not, it's here, you know, and the surge is, is, is very, very strong. So we're, we're taking safety into account right now and what is the best thing for everybody. You mentioned Jerry's playing a, a CIA operator. Are you working with the CIA? Are you working with uh, special advisors uh, when it comes to the military aspect as well? Yes, we're not officially working with the CIA, I th- um, but I am working with people that have worked with the CIA, uh, with other um, agencies, and people that are completely, um, co- you know, are classified and confidential of who they are, but they're the real deal, you know, and they've been in this spy game for a long time and have worked in these regions and know all the different cultures. And that was the big thing for us, was it not just to get Jerry's character right, but it was to get all the characters right. And how do the Iranians really operate? How, who are they? What are they like behind closed doors? What are they, how are they like with their families? What are the Pakistanis like, you know, and who are they working with the ISI and so forth? And, you know, and all the different factions, you know, trying to really understand the new modern day Taliban, you know, versus the Mullah Omar days. And where is ISIS on the current map of things? And what's going on with the Afghan National Forces? And all these things, you, you try to, you know, very much like Greenland or Shot Caller or Snitch or any of the movies that I've made. Angel has fallen. You are creating a form of entertainment, but you're also trying to root it as much authenticity as possible to make it feel real. Knowing again, you're not making a documentary. You know, you're making a form of entertainment, and you want to get people to grab some popcorn and sit in a seat for two hours and pay some money to go have fun, and but hopefully at the same time be informed about something without an opinion. I don't come from the left and I don't come from the right. You know, I don't try to give you my, my biased opinion as much as even shot caller and felon. I've been asked a lot about prison reform. I don't know the first thing to tell you about prison reform, but I can tell you violence breeds violence, watch the movie and you take your own opinion on it so we can have a debate and, you know, and debate is how change happens. So hopefully, hopefully Kandahar will entertain and excite, but it'll also kind of inform people that the Middle East isn't made of cardboard characters, you know, carrying AK-47s, that there's families and people there that are from all different diversities. And even my experience in Saudi Arabia, just the diversity of what we know in America, the South versus the Northeast and the West Coasters and, you know, the Central Plains and so forth. Saudi Arabia is no different. You know, you think they're ever, they're the same. They're not. They all have their own regions or where they come from and they're a big melting pot. And then you find out all the, different nationalities of where their parents came from and their different generations and so forth. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, been a, it's been a really rewarding experience. The sun came up, the world began to shake. Fault lines exposing all my own mistakes. If I could do anything this wouldn't be happening It's been a long time Since I feel courageous Stand up, stand up.
stand up, stand up, stand up Walking in my sleep, never to awaken Beloved, 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 look Stay